Vermont Viewpoint is a public affairs program produced and funded by WDEV and the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to vtviewpoint at radiovermont.com. Good morning, everyone. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. I'm very excited about this morning's guest. We are friends, and he is from Canada. It's Michael Morrison. He's the founder of Social West, Social East, and Social Pacific, uh, one of Canada's largest digital marketing conferences. He's also the creator of Mike's Bloggity Blog, which is Canada's entertainment blog. Uh, Michael, welcome. Thank you, Pat. How are you? I'm great, thank you. This is so exciting. Wait till, uh, Mike's dad and I are, are, he's sort of the, my brother from another mother. We're sort of attached at the hip. So wait till dad gets this link, Michael. I you, know, I, I, I just sent him the, I just sent him the link, so I'm sure he's already listening. Oh, excellent. Thank you. Yeah. Hello, Jamie <laughs> and Lynn. That's cool. So, it's so cool. Um, but Michael and I have, uh, run into each other over the years. Um, uh, most recently by FaceTime when Dad was uh, dealing with some health issues. Um, anyway, Michael, could you introduce yourself to our listeners, please? Yeah, sure. But first, yeah, thanks for checking in on my dad. He was in the hospital for a little while, and you were you were one of those friends who checked in at, at, either with me or him almost every day. And I know yeah. that that helped him get out of the hospital because he had he had people like you rooting for him. So well, thanks for that. We love him dearly. Uh, thanks. He's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So my, yeah, I go Mike, Michael. Uh, I actually live in New Brunswick now. I'm one of those people who moved back home during the pandemic. Um, and, uh, for the last, like, I don't know, how long have I been doing? I started a blog back in 2005 and that sort of, uh, was before people could make money from it and things like that. And it sort of created this roller coaster that has now become my life. Uh, I, I left my job like 10 years ago now and I've been working on the blog and creating these events uh, across the country um, since, since then. And it's, it's, it's been a wild adventure and I can tell you that no day has been the same. And I think that's exactly how I want my life to be. So I'm pretty happy these days. You, you look happy because uh, we're going to talk about in a little while you uh, and your partner went on a trip with mom and dad. And um, did, yeah. and every everything you put on Facebook, you were smiling and happy and um, uh, it was it was rather telling that you were having a darn good time. I was very jealous. So tell oh, us, I was tell us a little bit about these digital marketing conferences that you put on throughout Canada because, first of all, they are jam packed with speakers and presenters, and it's just amazing what you do, and you do it every year all around the place. So talk about yeah, that. Yeah, it's been it's been fun to watch it grow. We um, I start I started when I lived in Calgary. I lived in Calgary for 15 years, which is just an incredible entrepreneurial city that's always going through all these changes. And so anytime you're there, you're really sort of motivated to uh, push your career forward and things like that. And so um, this was, I don't know, maybe eight, nine years ago. And uh, I noticed a lot of small businesses were using social media managers. And I was sort of, I, I sort of thought like, if you're a small shop with one employee or two employees, I don't know if you need to spend money on a social media manager. I'll just show you how to do it, um, you know, the basic stuff. And that started as these workshops, and those workshops grew and grew, and then that sort of turned into a conference called Social West in, in Calgary, and that's now the largest uh, mar- digital marketing conference in Canada. Uh, and that We get about 800 people come to that. And then we've sort of expanded to 
Halifax, which is here on the East Coast in Nova Scotia. Um, and we have about 400 people come to that. We actually have that coming up in October. And it's going to sell out today, which is just incredible. Right. It's been a, a wild ride during and after the pandemic to make a living through events. <laughs> um, and <laughs> it's been fun. Uh, and yeah, and then we sort of expanded to Cal- uh, Vancouver and we hope to go to Ottawa in Ontario um, next year. And it, it's, I think what, what led to its, its success is that it, at this, at, at the root of it all is, is sort of why I created it is I really just want people to learn. We don't do VIP seating. We don't treat any attendee better than any other attendee. Uh, it's sort of a community that we're building, and I just really want people to come learn and have fun. Um, and uh, someone described it. Uh, they were there in June, and they said, like, it doesn't feel like the people on stage are any better than us. It feels like you could call us, any of us up on stage to present. And that's sort of the atmosphere I've been trying to create where, um, you know, conferences, I think, can be a bit cold um, and uh, not really personal. And I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to change that and make it more enjoyable for everyone involved. And if anybody can do it, Michael, it's you. That's great. <laughs> Seriously, you've got more energy. I, you get, I get tired listening to you. <laughs> it's, it's 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 fueled by anxiety if that's <laughs> oh that's the trick and, never mind and the deep <laughs> desire to be liked ah uh, <laughs> isn't that that's cute that's that's me actually um yeah. so you've already posted for 2024 so you're you're already done well not done you probably got work to do every day but you've already posted for 2024 right yeah yeah i what i've sort of learned it's a lot of learned because it's it's um it's really just me that works in the company and I hire some contractors as we get closer to each of the events. And people, people need a lot of time to get prepped. They need a lot of time to convince their companies. They need a lot of time to plan, you know, who's going to babysit or who's going to dog sit or things like that. And so we have, we have 2024 states out. It's, we're trying to build a schedule that's sort of consistent. So Vancouver in the spring, Calgary in June, Ottawa, September and Halifax. Um, I try to also, <laughs> this is silly, but I try to plan them so that people, can see nice parts of Canada when they're at their best kind of thing. So in Victoria, Vancouver in the spring, that's sort of the first place that warms up for the spring in Canada. So <laughs> by the time we're there, the flowers are already coming out and things like that. And then by the time you come to Nova Scotia in mid-October, it's beautiful fall colors, just like Vermont uh, and, and, and things like that. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I did a lot of tourism writing uh, for a few years. And so that's also one of my passions is, Making sure that people get get the most out of their time, no matter where they are. I always I'm always anxious, and I want people to experience everything they can. Well, and <laughs> silly, I don't know why. It's not that it's great because people you, will will relate, and and your um, your um, enthusiasm will be very catching. Um, and I know what you mean about conferences. After a while, you're like, "Ay, get me, get yeah. me out of here." Yeah, yeah, and it can be, you know, if you're going to be trapped inside for two days, you might as well be having a good time. But also, I know that, I mean, if I had to put my marketing hat on, it's a really good experience. It's going to be easier to convince your boss next year to come, which means I have to spend less money on marketing. So um, I think a lot of events, whether they mean to or not, you know, they're so focused on the ticket sale that they forget about the experience of the actual what's happening in the room. And so one of the things I do is I always have a few moles, uh, one in each room, like a friend of mine who, or if someone reaches out and says, I really want to come, but I can't afford a ticket. And I'll say, Hey, I have a, I have a secret job for you. And it's to sit in the room and tell me what I'm missing. Is it too hot? Is it too Great. cold? Is, it, is the speaker good or bad? Or is the screen not working? Like, I don't want to find out about stuff in the, 
the survey after the conference. I want to be able to fix it while it's happening because those people paid for that experience, not next year's. That what a great that's a great idea. I think I'll have yeah. to uh, put that one <laughs> to fun. work myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. So just you were talking a little bit about your background and I wrote down a little bit about what you've done. Um a columnist for Metro for 6 years, a producer yep. at Breakfast Television for 3 years, and um you've done some different radio and TV programs both in Calgary and across the country. Um, any memories of those days you might want to share as I'm sitting here in the in the booth? Yeah, it's it's fun. Like, I, I think I was thinking about this as before I called in, and I was any time I sort of do these interviews, it's, it's a lot of reflection, right? And yeah. um, my, my life has been this journey where I think it's because I, I just keep saying yes to things. Um, you know, I don't, I don't tend to say no because I don't, because I'm scared or I'm nervous or things like that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I started the blog in 2005 and was really at the ground floor of uh, people wanting to work with bloggers. And I think that opened up a lot of doors. But, like I used to be a guest on Breakfast Television in Calgary. Breakfast Television sort of like the Today Show, but we had them in each city. Um, and, uh, uh, or, or, sorry, CBS. So uh, what's CBS show? <laughs> this morning or something. A morning, yeah, this morning, America. Um, yeah, and then uh, so um, we so that's I, I was a guest there quite a bit, you know, just sharing insights about Calgary, fun websites, things like that. And they one day were like, "Hey, do you want to just work here?" And I was like, "Well, I don't, I don't know how to work at a television station. I randomly have a degree in Spanish from a small Catholic <laughs> university for some reason." Uh, and uh, and they're like, "Oh, well, it's basically the same thing as blogging. You're just writing for a different audience." And and that I did that for three years, and you know that that really opened up some doors, but also taught me a lot. And so when I left that to pursue the blogging, I, I I sort of just told myself I just I would always make it work. So whether it was really exhausted or really scary, I would I would just do it. So one of the neat things that I really I'm super lucky that I get to do is uh, Comic Con in in Calgary. It's called Calgary Expo. And um, I always, my favorite thing to do in the world is what you're doing is interviewing people. That's my joy. That's the thing. Um, but I've never figured out how to make money from it. So congrats <laughs> to you. Uh, <laughs> um, Come on down. All right. Great. Yeah. And so, uh, so you know, that, that opportunity has been really great because, uh, you know, I've interviewed in front of everyone, in front of 5,000 people, I get to interview, you know, the cast of Big Bang Theory, cast of Orange is New Black, pretty much every person from the Buffy Angel universe, oh. uh, a lot of a lot of the Marvel stars. And it's these few moments, um, you know, on stage where it's not an hour of me interviewing them where I sort of interview them a bit and then we go to the audience for questions. But that rapport I create with them is, is something I really, really, really enjoy. And, um, you know, it's special when they come back the next year or two years later. They're like, hey, I remember you. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, the amount of people you meet. Um, <laughs> exactly. I think I think genuinely like just keeping my eyes open. And so like I I really I really do appreciate every moment that I've been given. And it's sort of, you know, any day I could get an email that's saying, you know, one time I went and saw I was invited to go see Coldplay playing a bull ring in Spain. Uh, but I was still working at a, at a, at a nine to five job. And so I flew out Tuesday, went to the concert on Wednesday, flew home Thursday and was back at work on Friday. Uh, oh my you know, God. like to Madrid and back. Um, and so, you know, and I didn't sleep very much while I was there either. So, you know, having just sort of saying, Hey, like, let's just do this. We'll sleep when we're dead or on Sunday or, <laughs> exactly. or something like that has been great. Um, 
when the big moment I think for me was when uh, the blog, yeah, I just left my job, I think, and I was working on the blog and Kelly uh, Ripa, the, her show live with Kelly came to Banff, which is about 45 minutes from uh, Calgary uh, in the mountains. And she was there for a week and uh, only two people were expected to get one-on-one interviews with her. Uh, and I was one of them. And that's because I'd been working with the TV station for years in terms of just covering their smaller content and their smaller guests and things like that. Um, and so I think they said, Hey, like, Hey, this, you, thank you for this. Here's this. Um, and she, she honestly changed so much of my perspective on how, uh, on what you can do with, with, um, your influence and things like that, because the interview, the interview was so special. Um, she was so nice, so kind. And it was like, it was like a 20, 25 minute interview, which is, you know, is yeah. a very long time with a celebrity. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, and she, uh, you know, um, she kept saying, Oh, I love Max blog, blog. I read it all the time. It's so great. So happy. And I know that she doesn't, that's not true, but she sort of puts her influence on that. And that, and that sort of opened up all these doors saying like, well, how, how did Mike get this interview? And if Kelly likes Mike, then we must like Mike that's and great. let's keep working with him. And so, I really try in, in the moment I've, I've never been at the stature of Kelly Ripa, but in the moments that I have influence or some control or things like that, I always go back to those moments because that she probably doesn't even remember that happened, but that changed the course of, of my career. Excellent. Um, and so I, I'm always hopeful that I can do that to someone else. So Michael, tell me something. Why, <laughs> what were you thinking about taking Spanish as your degree? Did my dad tell you to ask that question? Is that no, the- I asked him, and he actually told me that afterwards you went and got a, another degree after the Spanish degree. Yeah, I have two degrees <laughs> that I don't use, so yeah. I'm, sure, I'm, sure he's super, I'm sure he's super proud. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I went to school. My parents lived right across, basically, well, across the street, but it was a four-lane highway from uh, from a small university, and so right. I went there in art school. And I, I took intro to Spanish in uh, first year, and then, I mean, that summer I was – living in Spain for uh, the summer trying to trying to learn more Spanish. And I just, I sort of just really fell in love with it. Um, it's funny though, cause I don't, I don't really apply it to my life that much anymore, but it definitely, it set up some, some uh, uh, motivation. I think, you know, like to learn Spanish is, is very, is, is in New Brunswick in Canada is very rare. Uh, and so it was, I think maybe looking back, it was sort of like, well, if I can do this, what, what else can I do kind of thing? And even, um, afterwards I went and got a, uh, an education degree and the schools here didn't have, don't have Spanish or only just have like one class a year. And so they put me in French to teach French and I was very bad at it. And I said, well, yes, I, I didn't learn how to teach French. I speak Spanish. <laughs> um, I, I barely passed, but, uh, you know, it's, it's it's a fun little skill that comes in handy sometimes. Even recently, I was in Home Depot and um, returning a bunch of stuff after a home renovation. And uh, the person was a, was a new Canadian, the person I was returning the stuff with, and I could tell she spoke Spanish. And so I said, if, I switched to Spanish. I said, if we go really slow, we can do this in Spanish. And she, like the relief on her face, because it, it was so complicated, all these receipts and stuff. And she was like, okay, let's do it. And you know, so it's a little party trick that I like to bring out every nice. now and then. And, um, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's fun. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily define my career or anything like that, but it's been a fun adventure to have that sort of in my back pocket.
That's great. Good. Well, it's a great skill for sure. And as you mm-hmm. just said, it can come in handy on occasion. So um, while I was reading about all of these um, conferences that you put on, have you ever tried to branch out, like, say, to the U.S.? Uh, I actually, I haven't necessarily, we have, we're lucky enough that we have some folks, uh, come up. Um, I think, I think the Canadian dollar works much better in your, your side's favor than ours. Um, and not, not really. I mean, I think it's funny, the potential of these events and what I do is far reaching and, and can do, do so much, but I, it's, I think, I feel like I'm at my capacity. And so, I think the dream for me is that someday, you know, a bigger company sees the potential as well and says, "Hey, let's let's put some wind in your sails. Let's let's see where we can go." Because it's definitely, um, you know, our, us millennials use the word disrupt a lot, you know, and it's definitely sort of disrupting what conferences can be, you know. So uh, the other thing we try to do is make it really affordable, and so um, it's it's a, it's funny marketing thing. Sometimes people don't believe we're good because our tickets are so affordable. And so almost all of our sponsors are people who come and come and are like, oh, wait, this is really good. Let's let's work. Let's work together. And so having um, having a price point that that's accessible to people, um, it has been really advantageous for sure. I can agree with that. I don't know how many conferences I have passed on, because when you look at the price, you're like, nope. Not me. Well, no, exactly. And I'm, I'm sort of like I'm sort of like, well, I know how much it costs to put on an event and I know how much I'm charging. What are you all doing with all that money? Like, I, <laughs> exactly. You know, so, but sometimes my accountant's like, "Do you want some money?" And I'm like, oh, "Okay, I guess I should. I guess yeah. I should." Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm trying to find that sweet spot in between where well, everyone's still accessible, but I'm not. I'm not uh, uh, struggling. <laughs> that's good for you. Um, yeah. So I know that, and you've mentioned it here today that you get to. Uh, asked to speak at many events, to host events, to make presentations. Um, uh, well, who are the type of folks that give you a call and tell you, Michael, come help us out? You know, it's funny when I lived in when I lived in Calgary, um, I I did so many different things as you sort of previously listed. It was uh, it. I usually just got calls and emails based on what people thought I did, and I'd be like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll figure that out, uh, no problem. Um, and then. When we moved during the pandemic, I sort of had to refine uh, what I what I talk about more. And I think for me, it's always been uh, really um, kind of looking back on my career. Uh, what I what I enjoy talking about is looking back on my career and showing how you can create change using social media, using uh, you know um, how how people sort of uh, join your journey or, or join your mission or join your um, you know whatever your campaign, whatever, based, based on using social media and use on like everyday type people. I, I recently gave a presentation. I organized a conference in Prince Edward Island. I, they asked me to uh. organize it. It was all digital marketing. And they were like, they were like, oh, why aren't you on the list? And I was like, oh, I don't really speak about necessarily digital marketing anymore. And they're like, well, we want you to speak. And so I had to really think about something. And it was more the customer experience. So, Great. hey, I'm a customer Here's how I, when I Google, this is what I need to see. When I go to your store, this is what I need to see. And it's sort of when you're when you're a shop owner or you're a business owner, yeah. um, you, you you almost tend to forget how the customer experiences what you're putting out there. Um, you know, there's it's a really stat that's out there, but you know, Facebook only lets you see three percent of the content that you want to see. So, like, like if you like a business, you're only going to see the content three percent of the time, and so. A business often thinks 
oh, I'm tweeting all the stuff, I'm Instagramming, but no one's seeing it. But you're right, no one is seeing it. You have to come up with innovative ways um, unless you want to spend a ton of money on advertising right. uh, to get people to see things. And, you know, at other times they talk, you know, um, they just allowed, I'm not sure in the States, but they, they just allowed um, uh, men who have sex with men to donate blood uh, here in Canada. And that, that was a big thing. And, you know, I spoke about that all over the years. I actually was invited to the Canadian Blood Services Conference to speak about it from our perspective. And it was right. more about the language that they used, uh, um, you know, making it seem like we were we were the problem, that it wasn't based on science or things like that. And so um, if you ask me to speak, I'll... I'll <laughs> As, as we witnessed today, I'll just talk. And there you, you go. To well, I'm just giving you a warning. We have a hard break in two minutes, so if I okay, you hear me, you right. hear music, you have to take a breath. Um, but okay, anyway, great. no, I love it. You and I, you and I could do a marathon talking. Um, uh, well, not a literal marathon. But, um, it's radio and it's marathon for sure. There you go. So listen, in two minutes, um, what does it mean to be? You mentioned an influencer. Who says you're an influencer, and what does that mean? That's a really unfair question to give me in two minutes. Uh, okay, sorry. Well, you can pick it up on uh, no, the other that, side. Well, that's the thing. They uh, uh, People sort of deem themselves influencers. Um, uh. I, I think it's really just are you creating content that people in your community, whatever that community means, are, are you sort of becoming um, – the leader or someone to follow in that community. And so I, I don't think I've ever called myself an influencer. Other people call me that. Cause I think the second you say you're an influencer, that means you're not an influencer. If that makes sense. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's really just a leader, a, a leader in your space. And so, but in terms of marketing, like that is how some of my salary comes in. So I get paid to speak about certain brands. Um, and then we on our side have to balance it so the message is effective and impactful and true to what we say. So I, I think I probably say no to campaigns more often than I say yes, just because it doesn't necessarily line up with what I, right. what I, my values are or the money isn't reasonable. And so I, my favorite line is, um, you know, I can't be the only one not getting paid. Uh, you know, things like that. And so when someone reaches out, I'm like, well, how much are you being paid to send me this email? I want the same value kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's community leaders, but it's whatever that community needs. Well, I know they think you're an influencer because Calgary named you the second most influential person on social media. There you go. Behind the mayor, I think. There there you go. Joining me today is Michael Morrison, who is a founder of Social West, Social East, and Social Pacific, uh, Canada's largest digital marketing conference. And he's also the creator of Mike's Bloggity Blog, which is referred to as Canada's entertainment and lifestyle blog. You should check it out and join on Facebook. Um, it's really uh, Michael just is Michael and um, shares his life with you and what's going on around him. Um, and let's see, he was named the best blog at the Best of Calgary Awards. He was also named the best Twitter personality of all things. That's really cool. At the Calgary Awards. I wouldn't move out of Calgary if I were you, Michael. Did you do that? And then I did. I know. You better apologize to those people. Um, they love you there. 
<laughs> anyway, I read, reading all these awards, I'm like, my God. And then he moves home with mom and dad. What is that? Oh, my God. I know. Tell me, what was I, what was I well, thinking? I, I should well, clarify, not into their house. Oh, oh <laughs> ah, you're just nearby. Well, we nearby. stay we stay at their house. If they, they should turn that into a bed and breakfast. The view from I that agree. house is just it's unbelievable. It's a beautiful home. Yeah, it yeah. is. Dad did good when he bought that one. Um, yeah. So tell me something. Um what what do you think is the secret of your blog? Because you've got a bazillion followers, and um, including me, and um, yeah. they they love what you do. Why? Uh, you know, I think I think it's about the way I come at it. So I, earlier in this interview, I mentioned I started back in two thousand five, sort of ground floor, not when this was a career option. It was just me because I've always loved writing. And so I had moved to Calgary and I, this was before Facebook and things like that. So it was really my only way of sort of keeping in touch with people. And I always liked telling people what shows and movies they should watch. I, I was that weirdo who would walk the aisles of Blockbuster, even though I didn't work there and like tell people, no, don't watch this, watch this kind of thing. Um, and so I think because my success and my career grew from that, I never felt like I had to be anything but myself. So it didn't feel like I had to portray my my life any differently than I already had and uh you know I'm a short bald gay guy uh so my you know it I, that's who I am I can't you know I can't make myself look super fit or super beautiful or project in this sort of um illusion that so many people do on Facebook now um cuz that's just who I am and so I think that's really helped um uh people sort of join the journey because I None of my content has ever really look how much better my life is or look um, how much I, I'm doing. It's sort of like, hey, I'm doing if I'm doing this, you can probably do this. Uh, you know, one of the rules I have is that um, when I get I get offered to stay at hotels or write campaigns for them and things like that is I always just want to stay in a regular room because that's the room that the people who follow and are participating in what I'm doing, those are the rooms they can afford. I don't want to project this VIP lifestyle because I'm not a VIP person and I if if I couldn't afford it then uh, likely the people who read my stuff or follow my stuff can't afford it either and so I think sort of just keeping that that vague sort of rule has has, has helped a lot and has helped people see um, uh, that all the neat things they can do and even we moved to St. John New Brunswick a year and a half ago and we my partner and I just like exploring we like seeing what's out there we like and so even my friends that we've met here or that have lived here for a long time, they've said, like, they, we've done more in the last year and a half uh, here than they have in the whole time they've lived here. Uh, <laughs> we just we just like exploring. And my eyes are always open, and I'm always looking for things, and I like sharing things I find. And, um, yeah, so it's been it's been a journey that I think people can come along with. That's great. So you – I read that you t- taught the basics of blogging at the Mount Royal <laughs> University – uh, I would go to that. I mean, do you have that on a video, on a on something that people could buy from you? I mean, no. I mean, great. I, you're hired as a financial advisor. Deal. You're in. Um, <laughs> and I actually applied your research. You're bringing up things that I forgot about. So well done to you. <laughs> this is great. Um, yeah. No, I I taught at a university in Calgary for a little while, sort of just like a continuing education class, um, you know, for adult learners and things like that. And it was it was funny though because one of the things I always tell people about blogging or applying for jobs or anything like that is, is just to do it. You don't have to decide anything until they offer you the job or 
with a blog, you can just do it. And, and these, and they were like four or five week courses, I think like twice a week. Um, and in that time, not one person started a blog. They would just, they would sit there and they would learn <laughs> and they'd take notes. And I'd be like, no, like start, like you have my attention for five weeks. So start a blog tonight. And cause I find, and, and this is to life, not just, um, blogging or anything, or anything. It's just people, I find people tend to think about things too long. Um, before they even know if they like doing it or not. So I always told people, you know, start your blog, see if you even like doing it. Maybe you actually don't like doing it. Maybe huh. you like taking photos more. Maybe you like doing something else, as opposed to sitting and wondering for months or years about what your blog would be, who would read it, things like that. Um, just just start it. And so, um, but it was always funny that people who would pay, you know, the university money, I barely got any of it, but uh, <laughs> um, the, to, to learn and, and, and then not activate it, that sort of, Right. Definitely one of my one of my pet peeves in life is just, you know, uh, I'm talking to a friend right now about applying for different jobs, and she always comes back with but 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 I'm like, you don't have to worry about anything until they offer you the job. None of those questions matter. They offer you the job, then we have to have those conversations. But there you go. It's yeah, it's just it's just getting out there and you know trying seeing if you like things. And the blog for me like ebbs and flows. So definitely sometimes I write a lot and sometimes I don't. Um, and um, it's. It's a bit cathartic for me to write, and the conferences that we were talking about before, like they they consume so much of my life now that sometimes I'm just like I just want to sit down and write. I just want to, um, you know, create content. And you know that that trip that you mentioned before with my parents, yeah. I, I really liked that because I was able to turn off the events for two weeks and just create content like I used to and have a good time with my family. That's cool. That's great. Yeah, I want to talk about that in just a minute. But I also want to, speaking of Calgary, Michael, um, you yeah. wrote, uh, see, I do a lot of research for these shows. You and do I, so, you I do more research than me. I, I, but I find it so interesting. You really get to know somebody. You wrote a bestseller, Calgary by Bike Guide. Uh, you should do yeah. that for blogging. I'm just telling you because I'd buy it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You yeah, you were I did, the I did. you were at the bestseller for two months on the Calgary Herald's bestselling list. So tell us about Calgary by Bike Guide, and then you leave, uh, Michael. Yeah, no, that was something my partner and I sort of dreamed up. Um, it started as a bit of activism in a way. Um, so Calgary was looking at building bike lanes, and Calgary already has had a really great network of bike lanes around the city on the exterior, but not in the inside. And so I know that when my partner and I travel, we often rent bikes and I know how enjoyable it is to explore a city by bike if it has good bike infrastructure. So while all these people were sort of trying to motivate the government to build bike lanes, I thought I'd go about it a different way and show them the business, um, the business uh, reasoning for building bike lanes, the business mm-hmm. case, I guess. And so um, we started these guides and it was um, – uh, my idea was sort of like Lonely Planet, but for the bike lane. So I'd been paying attention to which businesses were supporting bike lanes and doing things and things like that. And so we didn't tell anyone we were doing it. We A lot of maps, you know, you go to the businesses, you ask them to give you money. Um, we didn't do any of that. It was all just self-funded. Uh, and so the day that they opened the bike lanes temporarily for a year, and so the day they opened, I was like, oh, here's a whole bike guide. Uh, and it was like 6 or $7 or something like that. And um, I had been working with this, uh, some people at the city to make sure the map was accurate and things like that. And so we did like three or four years of that. And by the end of it, um, I think we had sold like 10,000 copies and 
Chapters, which is the big bookstore here in Canada, was like selling it and all the cash registers and uh, like the paper it was on like waterproof paper. And it, it was such a fun experience for uh, my partner and I just because we we always want to open a store or do something. And that gave us an experience. And we had pins. I'm actually looking at the pins right now. We had pins and we had T-shirts and all this sort of stuff to motivate people to try biking and to explore biking and, and also for businesses to see the benefits of people biking um you know it's something i I saw a stat in toronto recently where it was like businesses thought that 75 percent of the people were driving to their businesses that was what their assumption was but it was it was almost the complete opposite so 75 percent of the customers were walking and biking and so we're we're we think that people are driving to our shops but they're actually not and rarely do they ever get to shop uh, park in front of your business wow that's true Customers don't even care about parking directly in front of the business. It's just all these sort of things that we think. Um, And so I I like showing the city council and the governments the the opportunities that bike lanes can provide for businesses, for tourism. Um, And I didn't really touch on sort of the environmental side of it. There was other people doing that. I went, Calgary, Calgary loves money. So I was like, here's the money argument <laughs> <laughs> for bike lane. Job. Thank you, Michael. That was great. Um, so, Michael, it sounds like when you were talking about Calgary by bike, you were really trying to help the community and bring them all together. Is um, um, How do you explain being a community developer? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not something I sought out to do. That's for sure. It's it's sort of I think I think with social media that it sort of gave what social media does is for better or worse now is give <laughs> people who don't normally have a voice a voice, and right. so there isn't necessarily um, room in traditional media for a voice like mine, literally and figuratively. Uh, and hmm. So uh, so that's what sort of social media sort of allowed me to do in Calgary and now in New Brunswick is sort of share my perspective on things. And I I think I'm a pretty normal person. And so I think there's way more normal people, hence the definition of the word, than there is extremists on either side or, or right. point of use kind of thing. And so having giving people things that they should care about that I think they should care about, but giving it to them in sort of a palatable way and a digestible way, I think has sort of allowed me to um, sort of use this to uh, I don't know, say further my career or just be a part of my career. Um, and so whether it's Calgary by bike or um, one thing I did when uh, there was a movie called Love, Simon that came out and it was sort of the first movie uh, that featured a gay high school love story in, in a major movie theater kind of thing. And um, a lot of celebrities at the time were buying out uh, Black Panther and, and those sort of movies so community members could see it for free and not worry about the ticket. And so I wanted to do something like that for that, but I can't afford to buy out a movie theater. So I did like a GoFundMe campaign. Hmm. Um, and the director of the movie actually found out about it almost right away. And he just bought out the movie theater. Wow. Uh, and, and then we donated all the money to, um, to, uh, LGBTQ organizations. And I sort of always use, I really like things like GoFundMe because it can show people that a little bit of money can yep. go a really long way. Um, and so, and we had people come to the movie and we had to print out fake tickets for parents who didn't want their kids to see those movies. And, you know, <laughs> and so like, it's, it's wild, but it's, I really like emphasizing that people, anyone can make a difference. And it, yes, it usually takes money, but a lot of people in this world, have money or have five ten five ten dollars they don't necessarily want to be the leaders they just want to be helpful and so 
sort right. of tapping into that has been a big part of my my life, my adult life, I should say. That's excellent. Thank you. That that is great. I really like that. I think your your um, key to success, Michael, is that you always you say yes. You don't back off and go, oh, should I, shouldn't I? You just do it, right? And I think people need to just do what's going to happen. What's the worst that can happen? Just do it. No, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I we're talking about all my successes, but there's definitely been things that haven't worked. There's been events that haven't worked, but well, um, move on. I think. I think. I mean, especially after the pandemic. Like, if if my company can survive, my event company can survive a pandemic. There's not much that we can't survive, you know. Right. So having to cancel all our events, refund as many tickets as people wanted. But having to quickly adapt, we switched to virtual conferences and sent everyone boxes, and so they could participate in the conference live Excellent. by opening em- envelopes and things like that. And that was something we just made up, you know. It's we tried it and it worked, and so we did five of them during the pandemic, and that that helped keep us afloat. So um, I think just it's hard to. I think when you're an entrepreneur, like you can't giving up is the last resort. You know, you've come so far, you've already made all these decisions. And so giving up and saying no um, is is the last thing you want to do. So you always try to find ways. And, you know, I think that with activism and, and things like that, I mean, act, a lot of activism doesn't work in terms of creating change. But you've got people behind you, you learn things, and all of that is important. That is a lesson to be learned. I hope all are, is, I hope all are listening to you and I hope they'll check you out on your bliggity blog. Um, Mike's <laughs> bliggity blog. Michael, I wanted to spend the next, what is it, seven minutes left. Um, you and your partner Richard went on a trip with yep. your parents on a, on a cruise that started in New York, if I remember correctly. And yep. you, and you had a, quite a deal on that boat, but you also, fell in love with your country, and I know you love Canada, but you saw parts that you've never seen before, and I'm a big proponent of, for me as an American, going to see America um, first, and we we drive around the country and that sort of stuff, and I, I just think it's important to to know your country. So tell us so about that trip. Yeah, we, um, my parents and I, uh, we all travel very well together, which we're very grateful for. And so I'd been, I, I write content for Vikings sometimes. I'd done it years ago. And so I reached out saying, Hey, it's my parents' 50th anniversary. Do you want to work together? And so we did a story on multi-generational travel. Um, but we also wanted to stay close to home. Um, we love our Canadian healthcare. Uh, and my, my dad's health sometimes goes up and down. And so we just wanted to do something that felt relaxing but also um safe and stuff like that so this tour which was and i if your listeners haven't been on a viking cruise they're absolutely worth every penny they're incredible we started in new york and went to toronto um over 14 days and like we basically you know we sailed into halifax where richard and i once lived we sailed in the charlotte town where my mom once lived uh, but then we went to places like Magdalen Islands and, and Saguenay, and I was kayaking with beluga whales, which at six hours from where I live, I had no idea I could do that. I had no idea, you know? And so it, it, it really did sort of open up this, this new perspective for us and of, of really just enjoying our own backyard. And I, I think we sort of do that with little road trips, but we don't necessarily plan big vacations six hours from here kind of thing. And mm-hmm. that's something we really, you know, I, I, when we left Saginaw, I told my partner, I was like, this is probably the place I want to come back to the most. Cause we, you, when you're on a cruise, you're really only there for eight to 10 hours. So it's almost like a sampling of it. And, you know, falling in love with old Quebec City, I've been there, I've been there since I was a kid. You know, that's where they all send us as 
the school trip. <laughs> but it's it's magical. It's magical as an eight year old. It's magical as a forty one year old. It's it's there's not a place in North America like Old Quebec City. And again, that's another six hours from here. Like it's it's it it it, it was really special. It was and you know just hanging out like hanging out with my parents when you when you have the best food when you're you have the best sleep and you take away all those stresses and you can just hang out with your parents and there wasn't i think when i got on the boat i was looking for these big these big moments these big revolutionary moments but it wasn't that it was just quiet moments and learning little things about my parents or seeing my parents play scrabble with my partner you know things like that we're usually too busy to do yeah. this trip allowed us to sit back and just enjoy each other's company which is increasingly hard to do in these busy times that I agree with you 100%. I have, you had to be at my house. You had your mom on a blog. She has very tidy feet and you found shoes or she found shoes that fit her. And for some reason I had my phone down so I wasn't looking at it, but all of a sudden I hear Lynn Morrison's voice in the air and I'm freaking out. And then I saw on, um, on my, on your blog that it was your mom and I ran down to Bruce. I'm like, Bruce, look at this. Lynn's on Mike's blog. It was so, she, you're, you're, you know, my, my husband, uh, when we were younger, we're a little bit taller and he was about uh, six foot four and your mother's, what does she, what, five two maybe? If I don't being, even know if they can measure that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that my, your dad and I would go off to motor, motor vehicle events and cause he was the commissioner in, um, uh, up in Canada and, um, and uh, so anyway, they the two of them would walk off doing spouse things, and they were hysterical walking together. Uh, the height difference was just so oh, cute. Yeah. I have a lot of pictures of them walking off in the distance together. Oh, so that's amazing. yeah, my parents, for better or worse, are sort of regular co- content, regular characters in my content. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they'll often just say like, "You didn't even tell us you were filming." And I'm like, "No, it's hilarious." Like I filmed my mom doing virtual choir practice. During, oh wow. Uh, the pandemic, and I, I posted it. She was mortified, and I, I was like, "No, I want. I think it's funny. You know, it's all in good fun. My parents are really good sport. No, they are. Um, They've got a great sense of yeah. humor. They're, and they're yeah, friends they, with they, me, they, so they, there they, you go. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. we didn't we didn't get a chance. I wanted. We don't have time now for you to talk about your uh, the story about the Canadian band Metric. That was a hysterical story, and I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry we don't have time. You have accomplished so much in your life, Michael Morrison. I'm very proud of you. And um, thank you so much, Pat. That's very nice. And it's it, it like I said at the beginning, the top of the hour. You know, I really appreciate you reaching out and to my dad when he was not feeling well, and no problem. Just staying connected with our family. You're yeah. you're a great person. Well, you have a special family, and I need to meet Richard one of these days. So, um, anyway, you're thank to you, John. Anytime, it's beautiful. Cool. Here. Anyway, uh, thank you, Michael Morrison. We'll be in touch. Check out Michael on Bloggity Blog, and uh, we'll be right back with the mayor of a Newport City, Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. 